Welcome to the New Judge One Podcast. My name is Isaac Caymans. This is a bi-weekly podcast where my friend Jess O'Brien and I discuss internal martial arts, qigong, and meditation. In this episode, we continue our series on the founder of Bagua, Zhang Dong Hai Chuan. We continue looking at uh, different versions of Dong Hai Chuan's life uh, from his students and grand students. Then we break down a couple more of the uh, songs from Andrea Falk's book from the 36 Songs and 48 Methods. Then in our Patreon, we continue our series on the eight bodies of Taoism. We're moving into the third body, which is the emotional body, which corresponds with the energy of wind in the I Ching. So check that out. Hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all your support and take care of yourself. Welcome to the Neja Chun Podcast with Isaac and Jess. We're back looking at the life of Dong Hai Chuan, the Grand Master of Bagua Zhang, and the many different legends that surround him. <clears throat> so I wanted to look to another text that gives some more of the stories about Dong that adds a little more to his character here. Bagua, Chinese Boxing for Fitness and Self-Defense by Robert W. Smith, 1967. So this covers his life story slightly again. Um, no one knows the origin of Bagua. It is only known that Dong Hai Chuan of Wei, of Weinan during the Qing Dynasty, learned this art from an anonymous Taoist in the mountain fastness of Kiangsu province. Dong, a young man, then barely in his 20s, is said to have been nearly dead of starvation when the hermit chanced upon him. The Taoist ministered to him, and Dong stayed several years with him, and from him learned a divine boxing. Well, that's basically the same story Wang Shijin gave, right? Right. This is one Taoist in this case. Yeah, but, you know, that... A wounded... A wounded young, you know, Dong Hai Chuan gets nearly dead, rescued by the benevolent Taoists, and they nurse him back to health and teach him, you know, to be right. a competent martial. And artist. this one says divine boxing, so there's clearly a spiritual side is implied there, right? right there's right, something right. about this as Taoist in particular. Near middle age, Dong became a eunuch in the king's palace. He did not get on with his fellows, however, and was soon assigned to the royal family of Prince Su as a servant. Su employed a Mohammedan boxer and his wife as chief protectors of the household. Shah, the boxer, held everyone to immediate obedience, and his wife, an expert pistol shot, made them a solid combination. Once at a big banquet where the congestion was beyond relief, Dong served tea to the guests by lightly scaling the wall and crossing the roof to the kitchen and back. Lord Su recognized from this that Dong had probably had boxing ability. Subsequently, he ordered Dong to show his art. Dong did. He demonstrated Bagua. His sudden turns and fluid style enthralled the audience. So once again, we hear the story of him as a waiter. As a waiter. But there's also reference to the lightness skill there, right? Ah. The, being able to... So that's the famous idea of Ching Jing, where you can jump up walls and leap up onto high places. Mm -hmm. Scale yeah. rooftops to serve people tea. <laughs> so you've got the Taoism, you've got the, the banquet... Um, you've got the leaping and scaling, and it's also the first reference to a pistol. So this is obviously around the late 1800s when firearms are becoming more available. Right. Well, that that's sort of the... High class. Um, I think that's kind of code for saying they you know, they weren't martial artists. Mm, maybe they were... They had a pistol. They had the know. pistol. It was like kind of saying they couldn't do it hand-to-hand. -hand. Right. <clears throat> Next, Sha challenged Dong, but was defeated. Dong watched for Sha to attempt revenge. 
Late one night, Cha crept into Dong's bedroom, a knife in hand, while his wife aimed her pistol through the window at Dong. Dong quickly took the pistol from her and turned on Cha, who pounded his head on the floor seeking forgiveness. Dong agreed to forgive him and even accepted Cha as a student. Hmm. Well, there you go. Another showdown. And this one's defeated by speed. You know, Dong Chuan doesn't talk much about his power in the ones we've seen yet. Mostly about incredible evasiveness right, and speed. His, ava- his ability to avoid things. Yeah. So, I mean, he even did a pistol disarm, which, yeah, that's pretty legit. All right, the story continues. Later in life, Dong retired and taught only a few selected persons his Bagua, which we've heard. Right, same. Same story. It's, it's the, this is the after the palace time period. Although he withered, the stories did not. One had him in the midst of several men with weapons who were bent on his blood. He not only emerged unscathed, but soundly defeated all his attackers. Another time, he sat in a chair leaning against a wall. The wall collapsed and his disciples ran up, fearful he'd been buried. He was found sitting in the same chair leaning against another wall. Which is the story we heard right. from another book. Makes me think that maybe walls falling on people was a bigger problem. <laughs> I mean, it's true. There was no reinforced just, concrete, right? Like, brick buildings are quite vulnerable. Seriously. Like, a lot of, you know, seismic activity. And if you have a building with brick, yeah. my goodness, could be bad. But Dong Chun's avoiding it. It could have happened repeatedly. The grandest story, told by Wan Lai Shen, concerns Dong's death. Certain that he was dead, some of his students attempted to raise the casket prior to the burial, but the casket would not move. It was as though it were riveted to the ground. As his students tried again and again to lift it, a voice came from the casket. As I told you many times, none of you has one-tenth of my skill. He then died, and the casket was moved easily. Mm. Dong died at 84. All right, so now we have 90, 84. <laughs> uh, 68, 68, I think somebody yeah, said. yeah. But that's mm-hmm. Wang Lai-Sheng. That's the, who we've talked about before. That's the natural boxing guy. Right. Who was Leo Hongjie's buddy. Right, friend of Leo Hongjie. So he he makes an appearance. I don't know where Robert Smith got this story. Maybe from... Probably from Wang Lai-Sheng. I mean, could be. This, But the mention of the wall makes me think it's, there's a, you know, it's all coming from one source. That, mm. And one of the books that has stories about Dong Chuan is Liang Zingpu, Eight Diagram Poem by Li Ziming. Um, that Vince Black translated and published in 1993, which is one of the early Bagua books that I remember getting really excited about when it first came out. Um, and in there, Li Ziming translates uh, some of the stories about Dong Chuan. Um, it said he begins by saying uh, a few things about him, but one thing that stuck out to me it says, "Mr. Dong Chuan taught only eight postures, the old eight palm, Lao Ba Zhang, to confirm two teachings and positioning of the eight trigrams." Its changes and tactics also imply several changes of the eight diagrams. So that's interesting to hear. Well, that's... Is that the first set? The Lao Ba Zhang? Right. I mean, palms? everybody has... Not everybody, but lots of schools have a set that mm. they call Lao Ba Zhang, which is you know, purportedly to be the original set of that system, right? So um, I don't know if it's the same movements mm-hmm. as, say, the Lao Ba Zhang from the Chanting Wasp. Right. But it, yeah. if you look on YouTube, there's quite a few different ones that look right. very different from each other. So, but it, it's, I think what it's saying is that Dong Hai Chuan didn't teach a, you know, 64 change hmm. thing or hmm. blah, 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 you know, they didn't teach this like super complicated form. He just taught eight changes mm. and that that was the whole thing. Now, he also probably taught them 
differently hmm. to each person. So, and maybe not even all eight changes to each person, but mm-hmm. that that may have been, you know, the, the a way of saying, you know, he didn't have like this really complicated system. It does seem to imply that, right? That these eight palms were what the main thing of it. And each person has their own version of it. That's the, that's kind of the name well, they associate with it. Right. And most Bagua schools will say, you know, that they have one set that's kind of the, you know, like I said, the main set. And then a lot of the other stuff is sort of the auxiliary training mm. that goes with it. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So Li Ziming continues. Mr. Dong Chun said, the skill of circle walking is the foundation of eight diagram palm. Therefore, it is necessary to consolidate its foundation in practice. Everyone likes to go forward and retreat with the straight steps, but we should go out and around and enter with twisted steps. Everyone hopes to master the many varied hand skills for attack and defense, but we just push the straight palm to evade an attack. So that's a quote from Dong Chuan, apparently. Hmm. Well, I mean, there it goes again about the importance of the circle walking, right? I mean, right. Bagua uses twisted, rounded, and then, then the second part, he says everyone wants to use a lot of different attacks, but we use a straight palm to evade an attack. It's like twee, a pushing palm. Yeah, and it's also, again, that's simplicity of, you know, we don't have a thousand mm. different techniques. We have one that works. Right. You know? Take the right angle with that one rather than use a bunch of different wild attacks or whatever. Well, and it's that the attack isn't with your hand, right? So the, you don't need that many shapes with your hand if you can do a bunch of different things with your feet, right? It's kind of the, the, the way it works, right? So you're not trying to have a whole bunch of different hand techniques. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to have the sense that your hand is attached to your feet. Basically, and right. your feet move, it, it moves your hand. It also gives that idea of like, if your opponent has a complicated thing, you could stick to something simple. Yeah. If they come straight forward, then you would dodge aside and cut and them from the edge. You know, you respond. So there's three different ways to fight, according to uh, Mr. Dong Chuan here. When anyone attacks, I can neutralize it and then strike back at the same time. So he's saying like neutralize their attack. Meaning what, like block it so the energy goes off in yeah, some I mean, other direction? Chi, right? Or like absorb it into you somehow? Well, either one. Shift <laughs> back as the hit? Do something to neutralize their attack and then come So it back. fizzles out and then boom, you yeah, hit back. Yeah. So the second one is when someone attacks, I intercept it and strike back at the same time. That would be more like Shingy where you're not letting them come in and then coming back. You're cutting what they're doing So what they're still you're checking it out of the way. And then hitting them, right? So That's intercepting it yeah. and hitting. And then the third one is when anyone attacks, I evade it and redirect it with footwork. This is called melting away or melting like a shadow. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's your three internal martial arts in a nutshell, mm-hmm. basically. It's like, you know, you can either take what they're doing and, you know, let it determine what you're going to do. You can either decide what's going to happen and just mm-hmm. cut right through. Like seeing you. Or you can just not deal with them at all and move your feet. I mean, that's the, I, I know I already said it at some point, <laughs> but it's the analogy of the castles, right? That, you know, the Bogwa castle just gets up and walks away. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't wait. Melting for like a shadow. It doesn't wait for you to attack or anything like that. Oh, so the conclusion is of the three ways, the first is better than the second. The third way is the most complicated and profound hmm. and can be used only when the technique has been developed to a high level of mastery. Interesting. So the absorbing one he does consider higher than deflecting. It's definitely harder. stepping, yeah. of course, is the best. I mean, taking an angle is definitely easier than taking someone's force Absorbing. into your body. Yeah, that's for sure. I would argue that maybe taking it into your body is even harder than taking a step, but... It could be. 
And then he ends by saying the 36 formula for the circle walk practice and the 48 methods of handwork in the eight diagram palm are the unique classic works handed down in the oral instructions by Mr. Dong Hai Chuan. So that refers to these 36 songs right. and 48 uh, yeah. methods that he... Uh, the Bagua classics. Come passing down. Yeah, they're pretty much the Bagua classics, exactly. So now let's turn to the 36 songs and the 48 methods, the traditional Bagua songs and uh, classics. <clears throat> I've been reading a few things from Andrea Falk's book, A Shadow of Fallen Blossoms, that sort of set the context for the for the old texts. Um, she's saying some pretty cool stuff, and I wanted to like just point to one more paragraph here. It says, the absence of published material is part of the Bhagwajang tradition. In other words, the absence of books is actually consistent with the Bhagwa tradition. That's the way it's been going. Martial writing used, was, was well-developed in China well before the 1600s, Techniques and theories were written down and illustrated with specialized vocabulary, but the first generation of Bagua masters did not write anything that we have discovered. So other schools wrote stuff down in the old days, but not the Bagua school. And uh, the tradition within one school is that Dong Ai Chuan was a member of the Bagua sect, or Bagua cult, and that most of his disciples in the late 1800s were involved in the movement to overthrow the Qing dynasty and return the Ming, so they kept quiet and didn't write anything. Aside from this, most were illiterate and kept things in their heads. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's for sure. Like, I mean, it's probably a combination depending on the mm. person's situation. But, I mean, you, you definitely don't want to be writing martial arts books if you're on the wrong side of a rebellion. <laughs> right. You know, and, and, and there's also a piece about, you know, not giving away your goods, right? Like, I mean, you put a book out there that has all your secrets and... You know, there goes all your secrets. So, well, I think, you know, just having a certain piece of, like, you know, keep it to yourself. Yeah. That way you can preserve it. No, who knows how that struggle for the for the overthrow of the Qing Dynasty would end eventually. So, you had to be and, and liter- your eyes peeled. <laughs> and literacy is also a big part of it, too. I think that, you know, a large part of these early guys, they weren't, you know, if even if they could read and write, right. it wasn't... a their strong scene, mm. right? And this stuff's complicated writing, so... And, I, you know, I mean, I also think that they may not have thought that it was much use. Mm. That, I mean, I personally don't think that you right. can learn how What's to learn? do this yeah. stuff from a written book or right. a video. You know, you, you need a person to show right. you how to do it. So they may have just, at that point, not had the... You know, the, the means to make a book would have been more, way more of an investment than they were willing to put out. You sure. know? It's like a lot of these books didn't get published until there were, you know, established groups, you know, these mm. sort of martial arts associations. Right. Whose part of their purpose was to publish books, you know, right. that, that the popularizing in the twenties and thirties in the, you know, in the 1800s, late 1800s you know that didn't really exist so you know, no was, was, things were you keeping your head down yeah so it was mostly if there was good well, also a, there's the idea that these are rhymed right so a lot of these you'd memorize as part of your training tweet to dialing and you'd have a little sure able to follow that so you could memorize the ideas that go along with the exercises yeah it's a way of again it's a it's a like a reference right. book. It's but I'm only an English speaker, so I can't really go that way. So I can just look at it theoretically as ideas rather than sort of the songs that they're there's making. there's things about like, I mean, you know, one parallel is like if you're learning a Tai Chi form, mm-hmm. you might say the name of each mm-hmm, move mm-hmm. as you're doing it cool. when you're first learning it just so as a memorization tool. Because that's what I think all Absolutely. these, I think all these things are is basically to help you memorize, you know, 
what the movements are and so mm-hmm. and what you've already learned from your teacher go hand in hand with the songs yeah and and they might add some insight into you know some subtleties that you may not have thought about before mm-hmm. but essentially you're yeah. not learning anything f- new from it it's, it's like in terms of forms or application what you're learning is you know this is what you're going to do while you do the forms and applications that you learned so I was going to look at the next one from Frank and Tina's book, Whirling Circles of Bagojong. And the next method they have is yin and yang hand methods, number seven. Single weighted is alive, double weighted is stiff. Hard on the outside and soft on the inside. Palm pushing outward or hooking inward, the waist is indeed always moving. So again, again, the weightedness, which we talked about before, then hard on the outside and soft on the inside. That's another characteristic of internal martial arts yeah. where... I, I interpret that as you're flexible in the way your body moves, but on the outside, when you strike something, you, your arm strengthens up and you hit as hard as you can. Yeah, I mean, it's again, I think these are basically just restating some of those core principles, right? Like, on to the next one internal power method. People say cold, springing, crisp, hard, and rapid are powers. I say cold and springing power is ordinary, crisp and hard powers are almost the same. Power discharges from harmony of mind and force. Wow, well, that's interesting. Harmony of mind and force mm. is that that's that's talking about using intent and you know chi or or internal force rather than external strength, right? Like that. That's my interpretation. Yeah, he's criticizing uh, cold, springing, crisp, and hard. Because I think you know, a lot of it is that these guys were kind of reacting to other things that were out there. Mm-hmm. You know, there was there was a, right somebody else's poster says that they have crisp springing hard power. Right, like, exactly. Screw them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is kind of the maybe a rebuttal to right certain other types of you know workouts. Right. I like to read between the lines and try to like picture what was going on at the time. Maybe that would be behind some of the discussion. Yeah. Well, again, it's like Deng Hai Chuan probably wasn't talking about other like things mm. like sports or, mm-hmm. no. but by the time his students were writing about it, they were starting to have to contend with these other ideas about like, you know, sort of Western concepts mm. of health and, and, and like modern, more modern sort of exercise yeah, and stuff like that. So I think turn of the century and it's and also still having to kind of overcome the other Chinese martial arts saying that they do the mm-hmm. thing, you know? So it's like, you're kind of trying to stake your, you know, make your brand mm-hmm. or, you know, kind of show that, okay, this is, you know, we do something a little bit different than those other guys, but we're still, you know, very much in, we're still what you're looking for. Right. You know? He likes that. He uses harmony of mind and force. And like, again, it's interesting how these do really apply across the board to, to all the other internal styles as well. Yeah, well, and just, I think most Chinese martial arts will agree harmony of mind and force is something you want, right? Yeah, I think the real thing is, I mean, even an external martial arts going to say that. It, the difference is what kind of force are you? Talking so they may about. start with force and then go towards mind, right? Whereas internal tends to start with mind. Yeah, to figure and, out. and again, you also are talking about what kind of mind, what kind of force, right? Mm. I mean, like the 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 implied here, I think, is it's a relaxed mind, mm. but it's still, you know, it still has 
power behind it. It still has structure. It still has, you know, like the ability to knock you out, mm. but it's not coming from a place of, you know, external strength. It's coming from this sort of internal. Which could be like taking a better angle or hitting from the right, you know, moment in time and breaking there. It's a, yeah, I mean, it's balance. It's a hundred different things, mm. but, it, you know, it's a hundred different things that all r- rely on you not just freaking out, basically. Mm. So the, the primary thing is that, you know, your your intent or your mind is connected to what you're doing with your body, right? That you're not just going... Because, I mean, a lot of martial arts, essentially what they're telling you to do is turn off the part of your brain that says, I shouldn't do mm. this, right? That you're just kind of going into that animal, you know, survival mood mm. and you just do whatever you got to do right. and then, then you come out of it and go oh shit I ripped this guy's sort of black out yeah. yeah where I think what these guys are saying is that it should involve your conscious mind in, in what you're doing so that one you fight better because you're not just reacting to things on a you know reactionary level you're actually like planning what you're doing mm. and stuff but also you're not like you're not just hoping that things work out. You're actually able to change and adjust to the situation so that if things don't go the way you planned it, which they rarely do, you have an ability to change, right? Mm -hmm. Because what's the worst thing that can happen on a battlefield is you think one thing is going to happen, something else happens, Mm -hmm. and you don't have a plan for that. Mm -hmm. And you're just sort of sitting there getting your ass kicked. So they're saying, you know, you always want to have that piece about um, the ability to, like, know what's happening so you don't get... Use that intention, that yeah. awareness to really soak what's happening rather than think about what could happen You don't get happen. surprised, basically. Mm. Right. Gives you a little edge on the battlefield there. All right, so one more power storing method. Only knowing power release, but not knowing power storing, the power is gone, just like an arrow leaving the bow. This is harmful, worse than useless. It leads to defeat or damage of the body. So basically, if you do fudging only, but don't do power storing, power is gone. Well, this just points to the idea that balance, right? That mm. for every, every amount that you put out, you have to also bring something back. So... In a lot of martial arts, the focus when you attack is just on the strike. And then you just kind of pull your hand back. There mm. isn't any real action in the retraction. Mm. You know, this is saying that the the coming in part of it, the bringing the person into you, the, the, the pulling them down, all of that stuff is just as important as the pushing and hitting. Mm. Right? The outward the, attack. Because, yeah. I mean, Bagua is very much uses this idea of, you know, pulling and grabbing and hooking and all these ideas that are essentially bringing the person closer to you, not pushing them away, Mm -hmm. which is counter to everything your body and your mind kind of want to do, you know, if they're untrained is just to push the person away and rah, you know? So this is kind of saying, okay, you have to acknowledge that that's what's happening and then try to do something other than that. Right. Right. that's the that takes training bring your awareness to bear that takes training exactly so the next one says power continuation method when the opponent's root is broken put more pressure on him do not let him escape stepping forward is needed expanded arms and waist are applied 
So basically, if you knock them down, just keep following. Well, it's also that it sounds like it's sort of a follow-up to the previous one, which mm. is you got your power method, you got your strike, right? And then you got your continuation, sort of, continuation mm. of the strike, which is what do you do if the strike isn't enough? So, for example, keep on striking. Well, for example, in a lot of things, what you would do is you would pull your hand back and strike with the other hand, and in something like Bagua or Shingi. You might strike with that hand and then either shift your body weight forward or take another step with the same hand out in front and sort of drive it forward like a pile driver, mm -hmm. like, a, like a pole, Spear, you yeah. know. And so that there's that thing of you're not withdrawing your hand, but you're doing another strike. Mm -hmm. That there's multiple. Keep the pressure on by staying yeah. with the closest hand. Right. There's multiple uh, hits within one strike. And stepping forward, yeah, you can strike more. So you have, you have sort of the hand coming out with the foot when while you're on your back leg mm -hmm. is one. You've got the weight shift going forward is two. And then you got the foot, the back foot coming in is three. So you can do all three of those things with one hand forward, right? Mm -hmm. So you get three strikes for one palm movement, mm -hmm. right? That kind of multiple... Uh, That's continuation. It yeah. just keeps... So it isn't up. just one strike, one, one step, two, three, one, one strike, one step. It can be multi that that can that power has a continuation, which is I don't think is a great way of phrasing it, but, but I think it implies something beyond the first right, hit. That there's keep, the first hit, going. and then there's this continuation power, right? Which is that's very accurate to what you do in Bagua all the time. So he he finishes that with a few basic ideas of. The higher skill method. Depending on faster speeds, not good enough. Heavier weight is not the only solution. It's better to have exceptionally great skills with center equilibrium and nothing missing. And center equilibrium, Zong Ding. Zong Ding, yeah. That's, that's the central channel that a lot of Bhagwan people talk about. Right, and again, that's kind of pointing to that thing of your one piece, mm. right? You're not, you're not moving individual. I mean. All of your parts can move, but you're not moving individual parts without moving the whole thing. And so when you go forward, it's your whole body, right? It's your, it's your, from your spine and it's like integrated. That center equilibrium is better than, I mean, because I have to admit, heavier weight is pretty nice. Like if I sparred someone who's smaller than me, that's a definite advantage. Right. What do you, well, it doesn't say something like And speed is it, not good enough either. Speed it, is, he's not saying you don't need to be fast or that weight mm -hmm. isn't helpful. He's saying that it's that's not, not all there, there is. Yeah. Too. And I think that's kind of, you know, one of the things I learned from, uh, from Bob was, you know, because Bob was a pretty big dude. and But, you know, he said, it's like, if you if you have size and you have power, if you don't have to use it, don't use it because it's like you know if I can if I can defeat you without having to use my own juice, I just save I just save my you know strength. But by the same token, if I can't defeat you without it, I'm probably gonna you know at least be able to avoid the attack or whatever. And then I've still got 100% of what I can mm. put out saved up. So mm. you're not using up your, your power to block the person. Mm. You're, you know, you're, you're saving it for the, for the wallop at the end, right? And this is a big thing in internal martial arts that, you know, that first impact when you touch the person, the less, you know, force on force there is, the better, right? So that, you know, again, back to this thing that, you know, force has no meaning without resistance, right? 
Therefore, they could have you know ten thousand pounds in their hand and be hitting you, and if sure. it doesn't hit you and misses, it's useless. And right? Step out of the way, ideally. Yeah. So you know, it just kind of reinforces that idea. Yeah, that center equilibrium is huge, right? Well, that also has to do with stepping, right? If you don't have that central equilibrium, you can't step. You can't move. You're sort of you have to shift your body weight first and then move. Wobbling, yeah. right? You have to get balanced and then step. You can't step from where you are. Sure. All right, the final one is winning method, number 12. When a powerful and fast attack comes towards me, I avoid the oncoming force and step around. Only three or five opponents can get close to me, even if there's a thousand. It's not difficult to defeat them using the palms and legs. Ooh. So there's a reference to multiple mm-hmm. attackers, right? I mean, that is kind of another one of these very unique aspects of Bogwise that you when faced with multiple attackers, don't deal with them one at a time. Hmm. You're, you're doing things that are, because you're moving constantly, you can be kind of, you know, dealing with one person over here and then be sort of turning your body to the side and dealing with someone else and still be moving your feet, right? So you're right. not... It's in built one. into the techniques to take weird steps that get you Absolutely. towards multiple I mean, people. It's, it's one of the freakier parts about doing it is when you start doing things with multiple attackers you see how just it it like most of your techniques don't work like Mm -hmm. all the stuff that you did with one person where you just can kind of overpower them and slam them you can't do that with Mm -hmm. one person because while you're overpowering one guy the other guy's hitting you in the back of the head so your best strategy in that case is to never you know, again, never let their force land on you and constantly have your your force moving around so that it, they can't track it. With essential equilibrium guiding you. Right. I like, uh, so someone with a powerful and fast attack comes towards me, that's the, that's the question everyone has when you come to martial arts. What if someone tries to punch me real hard? He says, avoid the oncoming force and step around. Right. Don't, we, don't we've seen meet, that a lot of times, right? Don't meet their force with force. Don't give their force something to land on. Just I mean, get easier the, said than done. Get the fuck out of the way. Well, there it is. Bruce would always use the example of a bullfighter, hmm. right? That, you know, when the bull comes at you, you don't stand there and, you know, try to stop it with your hand. You get the hell out of the way and you, you got to wait till the last second. You let it go past you, you and then you jump stick too soon. It, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of the idea is that don't be there when their force is, you know, that's because that idea. also goes back to that other one. I remember when we read it, but the thing about falling into the mm. sort of black hole feeling that, you know, if you time that right and they don't, their force doesn't land on you, that gives you this moment where, they're sort of going, oh shit, and sort of falling into this emptiness, and then that, you know, when Gives you turn at their most vulnerable. Right. And he mentions that only between three, four, or five people can get you when there's a group. So, you know, you don't have to deal with all 1,000 people at once. You can just take them at five at a time, basically. Yeah, I mean, the one exception. That's pretty optimistic. One exception of that is if they have spears. <laughs> right. That's, that's probably not going to be I mean, be a you better hope you've got some. the time. <laughs> Back then, it might have been. Right. Well, back then, it might have been. Yeah. Well, let's, yeah. Once you got three to five, that could be a challenge. But that is, you know, that is, you know, it's pretty cool because it is saying, you know, mm. this martial art is not to fight just one person. Right. I mean, it is part of the martial and, art. And that, no. is, that is kind of a. It's a, bad odds no matter where you are, but it is interesting that a lot of the techniques involve weird steps that at first you're not sure why you take this extra step. Yeah. But then later, like, oh, that allows me to pivot 180 real quick and, like, 
check this next person. Which I think kind of goes to the bodyguard stuff mm. too, because the assumption is you're probably going back. And forth. Well, you're just the assumption is you're going to be outnumbered, mm. right? It's yeah. not. It's not that I'm going to be on a battlefield with right. twenty of my buddies right. fighting twenty other guys. Right, right. It's it's that I'm going to be you know one guy against. 20 and right. you know that i'm gonna have to plan my attacks take them out right. four or five at a time all the while <laughs> oh, trying shit. to trying to protect the prince you know yeah. it's like it's a whole different strategy yikes yeah. yeah i mean i guess chance you know odds aren't good but if you do train with some of the stuff in it, i think it does increase your odds at least a little to have that as part of your training like being able to spin directions real quick without getting dizzy and stuff like that. Like, yeah, and I mean, and on a basic level, if you I mean if you train to fight two people, tra- fighting one person gets a lot easier, probably. right? So I, I mean, think. the more people you add on to it, it just kind of makes it uh, the the one on one scene less and less scary. I mean, I, the most we ever got up to in in class was three, uh-huh. and you know the the whole thing of when you're because the exercise was you had to stand still. And then all three people came at you, and you couldn't move until they started to move. So you couldn't like get run a head away. start. Yeah, you couldn't get yeah, you couldn't get a head start. You had to wait till all three of them were coming at you, and then you could move. So you and, use single palm chains to try and swipe them out yeah, of the way. I mean, at that point, you could you were allowed to use whatever you wanted to, but the but the main thing you were supposed to be doing was moving your feet mm. and not trying to stand in place and just kind of swing your arms wildly because right. that's what you wanted to do. Right. You know the the most common thing that I wanted to do was just kind of hold my ground ground and start swinging because I could actually pull it off with most (laughs) of the people because I was bigger than them. But, but the, but the, the skill of actually, you know, seeing that thing coming and going, Oh shit. And then seeing another one coming and going, Oh shit. And then just not trying to stop either of them and just move is, is there like a really different kind of, you know, mindset than just sort of the set and right, know, right. block it. And it's clear. Move. It's a theme that like the other themes we've been identifying this, this idea of being able to, you know, go against potentially multiple attackers is definitely in there. I mean, personally, it was the thing about Bagua that I was just drawn to from day one. It was just like, that's so cool. I gotta <laughs> learn how to do that. And, right. You know, so. All right. Good All talking. Right, yep. Hey folks, Isaac here again. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Just a reminder, check out the Instagram for images to go along with the episodes. Check out the Patreon for exclusive content and interviews. We've got some big interviews coming up that you're not going to want to miss. Hint, hint. Uh, So check that out. Uh, Take care of yourselves and thanks for listening.